0: You're listening to Talk to the Experts. I'm Wayne Nelson. My guests today are Paul Lindsay and Norman Ewing from Macmillan Estate Planning. A reminder that the Macmillan team will be hosting virtual webinars on Thursday, January 11th, And again, Thursday, January 25th, both days at 6.30 p.m. to talk with you about some important considerations for your estate planning as we start off the new year. For those who prefer an in-person experience, a live seminar will be held at the Fairmont Palliser Hotel in Calgary. That takes place on January 25th as well. At 6 30 p.m. Now, to register for either or both of these sessions, you just need to contact McMillan Estate Planning. The number is 1 833 266 6464 during weekday office hours or visit the website at McMillanEstate.com. All right, Paul and Norman, I'd like to expand a little bit and and take it into a little bit of a focus on trusts. And in previous shows, we have spent some time talking about trusts and the role that they play within an estate plan. So let's have a quick refresher, if we could, give us an overview of exactly what a trust is and how it works.
1: Okay. So Wayne, I would say that the, the easiest way to describe a trust is that it's a, it's a legal structure that allows for the protection of assets. And we could be protecting assets in our lifetime, or we could be protecting asset value after we die. Effectively, we are saying, well, a trust is a fence, it's a barrier between third parties and the assets that the trust holds. We've just been talking, of course, about the use of trusts in an investment concept, context, I should say. And so what we're talking about there is saying, well, if we have our investments held in a trust the value of those investments is protected from third-party claims. And in the last segment, we then started to get into uh, legal points, talking about our wills and so on. And in that context, we find that many of the families that we are working with take the view that, okay, because I have a net worth now that is quite substantial, I've perhaps outgrown a simple, straightforward will, and so there is more of a place for trust within the, the design of my, of my estate plan. So, for example, if we have a will whereby we aren't necessarily deviating in any way, shape, or form from what the client wants, so perhaps if it's a married couple, they say, one of us dies, the surviving spouse inherits everything. When we both pass, it all goes to the children, grandchildren, etc. Fairly standard. Exactly. We're not interfering with that. We're simply saying that if your beneficiaries inherit through a trust rather than on the typical no strings attached basis, what we are doing is we are putting that fence around the inheritance. So maybe if we think about the children, the idea is that That estate that you've toiled and sacrificed to build when it moves to the children isn't going to be lost to perhaps a son-in-law or a daughter-in-law if there's a relationship breakdown. It isn't going to be lost if the child has issues with creditors or somebody sues them. And, of course, these are all nasty things that we hope never, ever happen to our children. But it's part of life, and it does happen. It is part of life, and and please don't think for a second that Norman and I are super cynical people – the point of estate planning is about planning for the worst and hoping it never happens and using trust planning is is one such uh, example of that the idea is is that we hope our children will live these you know tremendous fruitful lives where there will be no issues of this nature but we've just put up that fence so that we know that the inheritance they receive from us will never essentially leave our bloodline and
0: they're looked after after our passing. Uh,
1: precisely. And and indeed, the use of a trust because of that separation that it provides between uh, the individual and and what's in the trust. It's it's a great way for, for many families to, to hold wealth, to keep wealth within that family for multiple generations. It might be earmarked for the children, but perhaps there will be sufficient there for grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and even beyond that, perhaps.
0: As compared to a simple will where it's a disbursement of assets.
1: The the point is, is if a beneficiary inherits without a trust, they do so and their inheritance is, for want of a better word, it's naked, it's there and it's exposed. The one point I, I should perhaps say is that if we have, and, and I, I'll use the same example, if we have a child that is benefiting through a trust, to be very clear, they can still manage that trust, they can still do with it as they see fit, they can spend it they can invest in real estate in investment whatever it may be we're not restricting them it's all about just having that fence around
0: it it all depends on the conditions that were set by uh by the owner of the trust
1: well in indeed i mean if it's if it is a parent leaving for a child uh, as i mentioned it is possible for a parent who has concerns to implement some rules around how the child manages the trust or sometimes it's enough to simply leave a a document called a letter of wishes that says words to the effect of you know listen sonny i've left you this portion of my estate i want you to enjoy it i want you to take a benefit from it but my goodness don't forget how hard mum and dad had to work to build it so when you are looking at you know heading off to buy your first ferrari or whatever it may be just remember how hard we worked and just remember that we would actually our preference is that you use this to ensure you have, say, a comfortable retirement, a nice place to live, the kids are maybe educated, uh, those those sorts of things. So you can put in place those, those restrictions. And indeed, some families do if they have a potentially wayward beneficiary or even if there's a beneficiary who maybe has some uh, health concerns. So if a child has a condition, be it a physical or a mental health condition, even addiction, we can put in place some controls so that the child is still able to inherit, but we can ensure that the value isn't going to be wasted. And certainly for some children who maybe are entitled to things like AISH, that the receipt of that inheritance will not adversely affect their entitlement to age. So there, there's a, a real, real big scope here for, for using trust to protect. Norman, what about trusts during a
0: person's lifetime? Is that applicable? Yeah, trusts in our lifetime
2: have a great uh, application for our clients. So we call these intervivous trusts. And, you know, there's a whole uh, spectrum of, of different types of trusts we can create in this realm, whether it's a family trust or it's a 65-plus trust. If it's a trust for an individual, maybe it's an alter ego trust. If it's trust for a couple, maybe it's a joint spousal trust. Uh, you know, with trust, it's very custom um, in that, uh, you know, we, we, we really need to understand our clients and their goals um, so that we can customize the trust and the terms of this trust um, for that particular client. But if we're looking at one of these trusts, uh, you know, in a person's lifetime, sometimes we're using this trust to avoid probate. As we've talked about before, you know, probate is this public process where, um, you know, we sort of get authority to deal with the uh, assets in an estate, and there's notices that have to go out.
0: And it's where you find out that you have all the relatives you didn't previously know about.
2: Yeah, maybe uh, there's more uh, more claims or, or people getting excited about the estate, uh, but there's also this tax issue. And, uh, you know, I guess maybe uh, if you're in Alberta, it's it's maybe not as much on the forefront, but, um, you know, British Columbia and, and some other jurisdictions in Canada have probate taxes. Um, British Columbia's is, is about 1.4 percent and so maybe you're here in Alberta but you've got a cabin in uh, or, you know, a cottage recreational property out in BC. Uh, maybe you're exposed to probate taxes that way. And as you can imagine, uh, you know 1.4 percent on the value of a, a nice property in BC can add up. It can be even more important, uh, you know, for some of our clients that are based in BC. So, you know, they've got all of their assets in BC. Imagine an estate of, you know, 8 to $10 million in BC, um, and you're applying uh, 1.4% tax to that. You know, you can do the math. It, it adds up to hundreds of thousands of dollars in taxes. And that can be avoided with proper planning through a trust in their lifetime. It it you know it can also work in uh, you know for estates with multiple jurisdictions. I've worked with families that own real estate in, in three different jurisdictions. As you can imagine, the taxes and fees um, you know when those multiple jurisdictions add up, uh, and uh, you know it may really simplify and, and reduce that uh, the, the fees in that process for the estate. Um, to create a trust in their lifetime
0: all right well let 's pause right there we 'll uh, continue our discussion when we come back you 're listening to talk to the experts i 'm Wayne Nelson. My guests today are Paul Lindsay and Norman Ewing from Mcmillan Estate Planning. A reminder that the Mcmillan team will be hosting virtual webinars on thursday, January eleventh and again on thursday january twenty fifth both days at six thirty pm There is also a live seminar at the Fairmont Palliser Hotel in Calgary on Thursday, January 25th at 6.30 p.m. for those who can't attend in person. To register, simply contact Macmillan Estate Planning at 1-833-266-6464 during weekday office hours or visit the website for more information at macmillanestate.com. Paul Lindsay and Norman Ewing from Macmillan Estate Planning are my guests today and we'll be back to wrap things up on Talk to the Experts.